Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm the Booker Man. And I respect you, Booker Man. <laughs> Welcome to episode 189, Super Brawl 6. The, the Brawl, Brawl for the, the belt. belt. Didn't even have to practice that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, like, yeah. Good job, guys. We're synced up to the moon. That's right. And... Uh, Professional wrestling at this point. Mm-hmm. All eyes on us, damn it. This was the sixth Super Brawl produced by WCW. It would take place on February 11th, 1996, from the Bayfront Arena in St. Petersburg, Florida, with an attendance of 7,200 people. 72. Hey, right, we're finally out of January 21st slash 22nd. <laughs> 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 Feels like we had like three shows on those dates, but yeah, we're we're up to February 11th, and we're uh, popping a a rego WCW house. Nothing nothing crazy. Not your typical Hogan numbers, or maybe it is. I mean, it's basically where yeah, where we've been chilling. WCW yeah. is. I guess we... when yeah, when Hogan first arrived, they had a, a little bit more, but they got a little bit of a pop, but yeah. Then they re- realize that it's just the same show each time. Same I mean, match, different. We are on the precipice of like wrestling starting to explode and become bigger than it ever has been. But right now, both companies are... Uh, neither of them uh, are killing it. No. They're, monetarily, they're, from a business standpoint. A lot of them are just throwing shit to see what sticks. They're like us. We're just waiting for those new stars. That's right. But we are in St. Petersburg, Florida. Indeed we are. So Shane, what deliciousness did you bring us this week? Well, here we are. St. Petersburg, Florida. I had to remember to type in Florida each time that I was trying to find foods and beverages popular in the St. Petersburg area. Could have got some Russian stuff. Yeah, it kept wanting to to bring me Russian stuff, and some of the stuff sounded pretty tasty, but it's just not the right venue. So on my little search, I was looking around for you know popular foods. What's something that you must eat when you're in uh, in St. Petersburg? And I stumbled across a place called Oak and Stone. It's a pizza place. Apparently they offer 15 custom craft pizzas that include everything from the classic topped with sauce and cheese to and basil to all the way topped with sauce. Sausage, pepperoni, mushrooms, onions, black olives, mozzarella, and parmesan. Another one of their popular ones. They've got a good play on the classic pepperoni with crispy and diced pepperoni on it. Something different. They have a mac and cheese pizza, which is mac and cheese, beer cheese covered crust, topped with cavatappi pasta, bacon caramelized onion, and a cheddar cheese blend. 
I went for one that sounded like it would be similar, minus the uh, caramelized onions, because they didn't have it as an option. There's no beer cheese on yeah. this either. No beer cheese. This one is from a place here in Oklahoma City called Up Down OKC. It is a barcade, I guess you could say. Video uh, games and, I've been there. and whatnot. This is their bacon mac and cheese pizza with a cheddar cheese sauce. Mac and cheese, bacon, mozzarella, and cheddar cheese on uh it's kind of a basic crust um, like i'm a, assuming yeah, thin but not not floppy yeah no it's like not a it's not the floppy new york slice, but it is a large slice. yes it's a 18 inch pizza i'm assuming it would be a little better getting it there than having it delivered because it lost a little bit of luster on the drive i mean it's not terrible it's not my favorite but i think the toppings it's a are, good the toppings are Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of lacking in the sauce thing because it's a little, little dry. I mean, mac and cheese pizzas aren't, I mean, your cheese is your sauce, basically. There's yeah. no real sauce yeah. to it, which also doesn't help because the crust, crust is pretty dry. Yeah, why don't they just use like an Alfredo or something? That would make sense. It would. But then we're also ordering from a barcade. Yeah. Yes. I've, had, I've been there before and I've had like a couple of slices. I don't remember what I had, but... They were fine, but it was like, oh, I'm going to eat something and drink these beers. Yeah. And uh, here's my suggestion for um, that place. If you go with some, if you're there with four people, just go straight to the NBA Jam Machine because you'll, well, you probably forgot how good that game actually is. And then after, like right before we left, we put, put all our quarters in there with a group of four people and we were just like yelling uh, and it was great. <laughs> and then I was like, damn. We should, we should have been here the whole time because we all went out and, you know, tried different games and stuff. And four people on NBA Jam system. Whew. I've only been there once. One hell, one, hell of a, one hell of a good time. Went there once for the uh, movies pop-up where they brought movies from the Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith movies and just transformed the place into an actual movies restaurant with burgers and chicken sandwiches and... Chocolate-covered pretzels from Mallrats and you know, anything that falls into the Kevin Smith universe or Esk universe. Yeah, they had it available there. So I got to play a few games, eat uh, a cow tipper, eat a cock smoker, and some onion rings. and Or sorry. Those are names of sandwiches. Yes. Mm-hmm. Clerks, too, mostly. Yep. I wonder what they'll bring out with. Clerks 3 comes out. Yeah, I saw the. I haven't watched the actual preview for it yet, but I saw just different advertisements of spend fifty dollars and have a question and answer with Kevin Smith and. Yeah, he's up in Tulsa. Yeah. He's just like touring the movie. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I'd spend fifty bucks to go see Clerks Three. Oh, maybe. I didn't love the second one. I, I spent over 50 bucks to go eat at the pop-up restaurant. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you got my money. <laughs> yeah, this... Uh, I feel like I owe, I'm owed a visit with Kevin Smith after paying the 50 bucks for the movies. Yeah, I remember you guys saying that it was a little... Uh, it was lacking. a little lacking. They, they could have at least had them in, like, movies costumes or something, but... Did it come in, like, a fun Happy Meal-style box or something? Uh, it came in a, a bag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't really that. Yeah. It was fine. Let's it was say, not fine. I don't usually say things that are just like, I'm disappointed in things. 
but I was very disappointed. In it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You normally don't throw throw the shade unless it's deserved. Yeah. yeah. If you're gonna have this touring pop up thing, at least make it worthwhile and don't make it just a a basic burger that you're not getting your twenty four dollars worth out of. Damn. Or however much they were. Close to that, it felt like. That's crazy. But yeah, this pizza, it's it's good. It I think it, it hits the spot if you're It's bar pizza food. Yeah. If you're if you're drinking beers, this is exactly what you want. A little drier on the crust to help soak up some of that alcohol so you can drink <laughs> a little more. I think this would also be something that's good at like one o'clock in the morning just because your taste buds are already kind of leveled out by then and you just want something that's gonna be cheesy and bacony and have a little bit of flavor to it. Not car- carbo load. Yes. Well, something that would happen right around the same time as Super Brawl 6, a trio of albums would be released. Oh, yeah? Tupac's All Eyes on Me. Nice. All Fuji's Eyes on Me. The Score. Mm. And Jim Blossom's Congratulations, I'm Sorry. Uh, ready or not? Oh, shit. Fuck. What's the chorus for the really good Jim Blossom song? Oh, Drive Around This Town. Yeah. To the Cops. Hey, Jealousy. Yeah, what a good song. God damn, what a good song. It is a great song. I like that song so much that I should probably know the whole album. But uh, They did Runaway Train also, right? No, that's no? Soul no. Asylum. That's yeah. that's Soul Asylum? Yeah. Okay. That one has a really upsetting music video where it's just like a bunch of like like photos of like missing children for like four minutes. It's a real bummer. <laughs> But the the Gin Blossom song is uh, is, a, is a fun time. Then of course, Tupac and the Fugees. I guess Ready or Not, but the this also has the uh, Killing Me Softly the cover. Yeah. yeah, Killing Me Softly. One time. Mm-hmm. Two times. Let's see what song. That is like the on. only Fugees album, basically, right? It's like the one. It was I mean, like it's the huge... one. It's the one that everyone knows. Yeah, it's that huge album, and they all kind of like break off into different things. Uh, I believe uh, Praz is the one that didn't get didn't get his flowers as uh, Lauren Hill put out a great album, and the Miseducation of Lauren Hill, and then just kind of has been sporadically active since then. Wyclef had a yeah, few. they haven't released anything since the score. Yeah, Wyclef had a few songs, and also is uh, kind of a scumbag. If you want to look into his uh, uh, quote-unquote charity work. <laughs> but oh, hey. Wycliffe, Gene. I mean, yeah, it's always uh, like, I guess the last Tupac album was Machiavelli, which that's the really angry one where he, it's not even under his name, it's under Machiavelli. And it is, all those songs are very violent and he uh, calls out just about everybody that's ever rapped. It's very good, but it is. All Eyes on Me, I think, is the one where he got like critical, real critical acclaim. It was for his the last, first time. It was his last album. This one was All Eyes on Me was the last one to be released during his lifetime. Okay, but what about because Machiavelli is under his, not under the name Tupac, but I don't. Maybe that came out right after he died. If you listen to that album, it might it, it almost makes uh, sense. I mean, obviously, murder never makes sense, but uh, it uh, he he might have had a target on his head because uh, the man talked mad shit. On uh, that record, but it's the one with uh, "How Do You Want It," "California Love," yeah, and "I Ain't Mad at You." So I had to look just to make sure that was the one with "California Love." I thought so, but it's been forever. Oh, Tupac, 
Yeah, I mean, of these albums, I listen to the Fugees more because I was at Blockbuster and Blockbuster music was big at the time. And I was really confused at first because I honestly thought the Fugees was a movie. And the album that I saw was the score from the movie. So oh, I yeah. kept waiting for got a, very a preview cover. for a movie. And it's like, all right, well, never mind. It's, I'm stupid. <laughs> hey, but I mean, you know, <laughs> you probably listened to the whole album. And that was nice. Yeah, maybe in one of the only ones. I mean, yeah, I'm right there with you. I probably listened to the Fuji's album probably more than the other two. Even though I was a... I loved the Jim Blossoms, but the song that I really loved from the Jim Blossoms was on the Empire Records album. Oh. And they they re-released Congratulations, I'm Sorry with... That song on That it? song as a bonus track, but it was a, like, it was hard to find, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You remember? Did they do that at the time or like years later? Literally months later, they oh, okay. they re-released it. That's like uh, you remember? I mean, they I, there's a uh, the Deftones had an out their third album, White Pony, which is a really good record. Uh, but there's a song called like Back to School that's like not originally on the album, and then they released a that song popped off hard and then they did a re-release with it on it but like that song doesn't fit on the rest of the album and that song is like a feels like they're like you know we're gonna just do a radio tune and honestly it's not that great of a song but it was uh it was a big enough hit where they did that same similar thing but it's not you know an official part of the album but is congratulations i'm sorry the one with it's not. That's not the Jim Blossoms album with... with no, uh, Hey Jealousy hey is on New Miserable Experience. Uh, Congratulations, I'm Sorry is the one with the Follow You Down. Uh, okay. I know that song, too. It's not as good. Nope. So we're going Team Fugees. All three good albums. Yeah! yeah. Or at least the bits and pieces of them that, mm-hmm. we, that we really enjoy. Yeah. Like Tupac, and I've tried so many... Over the, over the years where I'm like, alright, I'm going to try to get into some of the albums and every album is pretty hit and miss for me where I'm like, ah, like it's not, I feel that's the way with most hip hop albums though. Yeah, that's true. Well, a lot of them are just over long too. It's like, I don't need 50 minute albums of any, of anything, but you know, people always do the biggie slash Tupac thing. Like, well, it's different, but I know that it's the, because of the time where they did the, I'm team biggie. Because oh, yeah. ready, ready to Die, I can listen to on repeat. It's like one of my most listened to albums of the, honestly, uh, last couple of years. When you do this, the Spotify thing at the end of the year, I've been surprised a few times where it's like, oh, damn, you really listen to a lot of <laughs> a lot of Notorious B.I.G. And see, I didn't listen to much Tupac music. I, I liked him as an actor, though. I guess I've only Poetic seen Justice. Poetic Justice. But I mean, what a face on that guy. Like he even if he was a bad actor, you wouldn't be able to tell because he just has such a presence. He was part of Digital Underground in yep. the movie Nothing But Trouble. That's true. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that. Yeah, just, just for a second, but you know when they do the little court IMDb. scene. Yeah, when they do a little court scene, he's in there. Yep. Juice was good. I guess he did a guest appearance on A Different World. Above the Rim was good. I still have never seen Juice, which is pretty wild. Crazy. I haven't seen Lots Belly. Of potential. Either. Could have been an Oscar winner. Who knows? Well, let's talk some wrestling. Let's do it. 
We get narration telling us about the matches on the show. Cage match. Before Tony Schiavone welcomes us. And he's joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan and Dusty Rhodes for commentary. And they preview the matches for us as well. Another cage match. Before we go to our first match. Can I have one question? Hmm. said one-man gang, former champ versus Conan. Did one-man gang, they, they put a belt on him for a second? Like he on TV? Dead. He was the U.S. heavyweight oh, champion. He beat Sasaki. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, the U.S. heavyweight. When I said former champion, I was thinking heavyweight. I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense at all. No. Nope. Yeah, he did beat Kintsuki Sasaki. What a bummer. He got one of those, I'm a friend of Hogan passes and... Mm-hmm. I laid give down me, give for the US I laid, belt. Yeah, I laid down for Hogan in '89 or whatever. So we go to our first match: Public Enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge Yay. versus the Nasty Boys of Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags Yay. in a Falls Count Anywhere Street Fight match. Don't forget the souvenir stand. Can it's we get a hot dog cart? <laughs> I love that Public Enemy doesn't get their crazy pop. Because there's more than 1,000 people here. And no one knows who they are. Uh, it's just funny because they do the arm thing for a second. And they're like, and they're like it doesn't not, work here. Yeah. Well, they did the arm thing, but they were not in rhythm. They were going opposite um, of each other and at different speeds. So it's like they were... They weren't going to get over get it over no. tonight anyway. But it was just it's like, ah, this, this is, is the a new public, experience. This is the public enemy that I was introduced to back in the day. I, yeah. I had not seen them in any of ECW, so it was just like, wah, wah, Yeah, you're like, oh, cool, Nasty Boys 3? Yeah. Like, I've seen enough of tag teams like this. <laughs> so we haven't seen the Nasty Boys since World War 3, episode 173. Well, it's been kind of nice. So these two teams had met at Clash of the Champions 32, where the match ended in a double disqualification. So they are fighting till there's a winner this time. That's what Tony tells us. Who could it be now? So everyone starts brawling. Surprised, right? Mm-hmm. With Public Enemy tossing the boys out to the floor, followed by Johnny leaping off the apron with a double axe handle, only for Knobs to throw something in his face on the way down. Brian sends Grunge into a ring post. Posted. While Rocco has gone to grab a table, only to be met in the aisle by Sags with a chair. Johnny tries to come help his partner, but Jerry smashes him with the chair as well. Sags then turns his attention back towards Rock, but this allows Grunge to grab the chair and use it on Jerry. Now Nobbs has finally joined them in the aisleway, while Johnny and Sags hit clotheslines on each other for a double KO. Rocco sets Brian against the table before heading up to the apron, but Nobbs recovers to press slam Rock through that table for a two count. Oh my god! No. Someone had to do it. Jerry grabs a trash can, using the lid on Grunge, while Nobbs smashes Rock with part of the broken table. Sags and Johnny head back into the ring, where Jerry pile drives Grunge onto the trash can for a near fall while Rocco and Brian brawl their way to a fake concession stand set up next to the entrance. Um, this is uh, at least the second time we've tried to see them... Have a food fight? Yeah, redo the <laughs> redo the, 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 the famous concession stand fight from the uh, 80s. Uh, can they do it better? It is weird to see Public Enemy in like 
better quality, like better like actual video quality. It's like, oh, <laughs> I'm so used to seeing you in ECW vision. <laughs> this isn't that much higher because it's still like, you know, like television in the, in, in the, in the yeah, and then like mid nineties. So like, it's not, this isn't HD or whatever, but it's just, it's still noticeably different. I was like, oh, weird to see them not on like grainy VHS. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a cleaner tape. They didn't, they didn't tape over this one. Some of these guys did us favors by wrestling in the nineties because they were not made for high def. <laughs> Johnny's now using the trash can and the lid on sags to work their way down the highway while Nob suplexes Rock through a table. Yeah, Tony lets us know that he's a dweeb as he makes a Captain America reference. <laughs> More chair shots and trash can lids shared between everybody, including Grunge bulldogging Jerry onto a chair. Yeah, but this is a, we got the plunder out, brothers. Sags then suplexes a table onto Rocco, but Rock recovers to bulldog Jerry onto the concrete. Public Enemy then sets up a table, placing Brian onto it, with Rocco climbing into the stands to dive off with a drive-by. Uh, it looks real scary because they're just on concrete, just in a corner of the ring. <laughs> Meaning, if, if there's no eagle's nest, you, you either find one you or make, you make yeah, one. Yeah, you make your own eagle's nest. <laughs> they got enough garbage to make a nest. Rocco jumps off, but Knobs moves, sending Rock through the table. Uh-oh. Brian then smashes Rocco over the head with a chunk of that table, making a cover for the pin and the win. Post-match, the brawling continues for a moment when the Nasty Boys head to the ring to celebrate. Welcome to WCW, boys. I had the thought, I was like, is this the most like junk we've seen on WCW JCP? Or was like the Harlem Heat one also like this kind of egregious? Uh, the Harlem Heat I think one this one probably had the more sloppy, like, dangerous yeah. spots since they were bulldogging. Like, but yeah, yeah. Harlem Heat on one was more cringy because they were on slippery, concrete sliding on mustard. Sliding it was just a, yeah, it was just a, a true mistake. Not to say that this wasn't, but uh, I was just thinking, it was like first match on the show, fucking. Jim Crockett Jr. would be just rolling in his grave if he was dead at this point. I hope the man didn't have to see it. <laughs> it's like, this is how we're starting the show? <laughs> yeah, I mean, woo, Super Brawl. You start off with two of my favorite teams ever. I mean, they told us exactly what they were going to do. Yeah. They were going to have a Super Brawl. They did. I don't hate the Nasty Boys in the ring. I don't hate them, but... In the ring. I don't... Love them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the key is in the ring. <laughs> but we go to Mean Gene in the back, and he plugs the hotline, saying two former champs from the WWF could come to the WCW. What? Hmm. Wonder who it could be. I know. I was like, we're already here. We are. We are. Like it's now. Oakland then welcomes the U.S. and Mexican champion Conan. Ooh, he's still the Mexican champion. So Conan had defeated One Man Gang on a WCW main event taping, which basically was now their fourth show. So Jesus, you can tell how much respect they gave for that U.S. title at this mm. point. And Conan thanks all the fans before talking about One Man Gang, saying he's bigger and taller, but he is smarter. Mean Gene then reminds Conan of One Man Gang's size. 
which is literally what Conan just talked <laughs> about. We, we, already, we already addressed that, Gina. Okerlund then sends it back to the ring announcer, Dave Penzer, calling him Meshagana, which in Yiddish is crazy. Mm. Is that just an inside joke, I guess? I hope so, because... Yep. Had to have been. I, I don't know why you would say it. Because it makes no sense. It was Mean Gene, and he can do what he wants. <laughs> Pretty much. So we get our second match. Johnny B. Bad with Kimberly versus Diamond Dallas Page for the WCW Television Championship. $6.6 million and Kimberly. That's a whole lot on the line there. I know. I like how they say the remainder of Diamond Dallas Page's money. It's $6 million. It's like, all right. It was 6.6 We're going to clean him out completely? We couldn't just leave it at a clean six and he can keep the point six. That's all Kimberly's money. Remember when Johnny used to open the show? Mm -hmm. I miss that already. I mean, this is, we can almost just assume the last one didn't happen. (laughs) I've already forgotten it. (laughs) And uh, don't you love to see a happy diamond doll? Yes. Always. Such such energy. It looks like she's having a good time. Getting her pre-Nitro Girls dance moves. Absolutely. So the champion comes out first. Foreshadowing. And there is a large novelty check written out to CA money sign H while DDP breathes roses. Is that like Kesha's dad? (laughs) (laughs) It's not even like a good looking fake check, it's just a giant blue piece of like paper and then they just like wrote cash on it and maybe the worst looking large check I've ever seen. It's very funny. All those billions. You know where they're not going. Into the details. <laughs> yeah. DDP then brings roses out to give to his ex-lady. But she refuses them. Aww. And Johnny attacks while this is happening. Where they brawl around ringside with Paige being sent into a guardrail. DDP rolls in but stops Bad from doing the same. Clubbing him across the chest on the apron. Only for Johnny to snap Mayor Page over the ropes to the floor. Which causes the announcers to wonder if it's a DQ. So, see, they don't even know when the rule makes sense. <laughs> they don't even, no, no. It's, I feel like it's just like whoever the match agent was. I'm like, oh, that's still the rule, right? I only watch the ones that I deal with. Right. Or like, you know, whoever the wrestler is. Where's the booker? <laughs> He's Bad. the booker. Bad then leaps off with a double axe handle slamming Paige's head against the apron before rolling DDP back in so he can deliver a slingshot leg drop for a two count. The two men begin to trade arm locks, chin locks, arm drags, and pin attempts until Paige lands a hot shot across the top rope to take control. DDP's working over Johnny with stomps and elbow drops to the midsection, a gut-wrench gut buster, but then telegraphs a back body drop. Never do it. So Bad goes for the sunset flip, only for Paige to stay up and punch down. DDP would then drop the knees to make a cover, only for Johnny to finally roll him over for a near fall. Paige would retaliate with more stops, but would have a whip reversed, allowing Bad to go for a hip toss, only for DDP to then reverse into a DDT. It's really nice. Now, every time Paige hits a big move, he asks Kimberly to rate them. And this time, she grabs a sign that says a big, fat, 
Zero. Oh, snap. Just like what your bank account's going to be after this match. Damn right. Diamond. DDP is arguing with her, and she swings her zero sign at him, knocking him backwards, falling over Johnny, allowing him to roll up Paige for a two count. DDP starts choking to regain his advantage, wearing down bad with a chin lock with leverage. But Johnny fires up to escape, rolling up Paige with like a midsection head scissors type move for a near fall. DDP stays on top of bad for multiple pin attempts to keep Johnny down, but the ref starts admonishing Paige. So he and the ref begin to argue allowing Bad to recover with a shot to the gut. Make it to his feet to lay it in with punches. Johnny then hits a top rope double axe handle that gets a 10 from Kimberly. <sighs> Damn right. Followed up by an elbow to the midsection and goes up top again to deliver a sunset flip for a two count. It's pretty. It's so pretty. Before nailing a sit-out powerbomb for a near fall. I mean, his sunset off the top... It's kind of his bread and butter, right? Yep. It always looks great. DDP then rolls out to the apron and drops Bad's throat across the ropes to slow the momentum. But misses a charge into the quarter, allowing Johnny to roll him up for a two count. Bad then charges into an elbow in the corner, which allows Paige to hit a pancake. Kind of like a tombstone spine buster. Like he has him up in the tombstone spot, but just drops him on his back. Drops yeah. him on his. I never know what to call that. I feel like I've seen a lot of it like recently, and I'm like, there's got to be a name for that. Like a mm-hmm. re- reverse Styles Clash, only not really. Yeah, I almost call it a waste <laughs> of time because it doesn't even look all that great. Yeah. <laughs> but that gets a near fall before DDP locks on a sleeper, but Johnny escapes with a jawbreaker and puts a sleeper on as well. You take some of your own medicine. Climbing on the back, but Paige drives them into the corner to break it up. DDP goes for another pancake, but Bad reverses into a tombstone pile driver for the pin and and the the win. win. Hmm. So, during the match, Heenan kept joking about Kimberly taking the money and running. But it would be Johnny that would do so, as the next time we see him... He will be up north. Go on, take the money, and run. (laughs) So is this our final time seeing Johnny Mm -hmm. in WCW? I couldn't remember if he ever made a return or not. He ends up losing the belt to someone on a Saturday night, I believe, that we won't watch. He he does the the thing, and he's like, "This this money's all for Kimberly. He's just the biggest baby face here. The funny part about it is the reason he left was because he did not like being in a storyline where a woman was a prize. Just keep that in mind yep. for when we get to WWF. Oh, the irony. Is, what, a, what a nice man, I guess. I mean, that's like, oh, I guess. I mean, I know that's, it's, it'd be super old, it'd be super, like, regressive now, but that's like 50% of every thing every like high profile thing in like 80s wrestling and then here it's like 96 like yeah well probably shouldn't do it as the prize but like it doesn't seem to be like in super poor taste here it's not like one night with the precious or something like that it's like you know gain her managerial services yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly and she's like you know he gave her 
the chance to be a free woman. Uh huh. And she's happy, and he like gives her the like money. It's like not. I don't know. This doesn't feel like dubious, uh, like some of those old uh, Jim Crockett uh, angles yeah. that we yeah. have covered in the past. But it's sad to see Johnny leave. He's been our, you know, kind of our solid hand right, for man. the begin for a lot of these shows in the last few years. And this was not the best Johnny B. Bad basically show opening match, but it wasn't a bad one. And it was a little long, but it had a purpose. And it wasn't the show opener. It was in our hearts. <laughs> Although, I mean, Rocco really, t- really went through that table. So I feel bad <laughs> being that dismissive. So we go to the back. Mean Jean's there with Harlem Heat. Hmm. And still no Sherry, as she had tried to marry Colonel Parker at Clash of the Champions 32. Only for Medusa to interrupt, saying she was having an affair with the Colonel. Oh, oh my god. god. I mean, I guess it's a step up from you know, arguing over fucking Kevin Sullivan, so... Maybe. I thought it was Greg the Hammer Valentine. Was it Greg the uh, Hammer? Yeah. That's right, it was, it Greg, was the Greg the Hammer. Ba- I Solomon mean, similar, to, be on similar the show, I think, uh, when it body styles. Yeah. Although. Fugly guy, weird hair, <laughs> body like a potato, rope. I mean, if they were fighting over Kevin Sullivan, then I'm like, Kevin Sullivan's over here going, um, I'm married to a woman yeah. who's better looking than. Eh. Storyline. She's, yeah. she's busy right now. I mean, either way, like they're all they're all three pretty ladies. But yeah, I mean, he probably got he probably had the best deal um, in best shoot deal <laughs> outside of game, babe. Oakland says that Harlem Heat's match is for all the marbles. With Stevie accusing Luger of grand larceny and saying Sting is guilty by association. Booker calls them sissified suckers and glitter boys. And they refuse to leave without their belts. Mean Gene reminds them that if they win, they have to face the Road Warriors later in the evening. With Booker T saying it's 1996, not 76. And he probably meant 86. And we're taking the tag division into the future. We then go to Tony, Dusty, and Bobby, who talk about the Stinger and Lex, saying they had defeated the Road Warriors this past weekend because of Luger's cheating behind Sting's back once again. Uh-oh. And the Stinger had threatened to leave the team if Lex didn't change his ways. You better change your evil ways, baby. So that leads us into our third match. Harlem Heat of Stevie Ray and Booker T versus Sting and Lex Luger for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. Harlem Heat's got some flames on their entrance, and then Sting and Lex get some fireworks, so you know, we're giving them some equal treatment here. Who could, you know, it doesn't feel like they're they're pointing in any one direction with the entrances. Plus, I love that Lex wasn't ready for the fireworks, and he does, he like jumps, and then like just shrugs it off and smiles. It's yep. like, ah, oh, that was the most charming thing you've done. <laughs> I actually had to rewind that part because I couldn't tell if he saw something or if he was actually startled by the fireworks. Yeah, he probably just didn't know they were coming out, but it was uh, maybe some of the most charming Lex work I've seen in a while. So Booker and the Stinger trade holds to begin before Lex trade strikes with Booker T until Luger runs into a big boot, allowing Harlem Heat to hit a double-team back elbow, sending him out to the floor to regroup. Sting tags back in to hip-toss and drop-kick Stevie, but a rake of the eyes puts Harlem Heat back in control, 
until Booker runs into a boot and a face buster from the Stinger. What was Sting thinking going black and red gear against Harlem Heat? Does seem like a bad decision. Yeah. Because if they face the Road Warriors later, black and red as well. Black and red as well. I know. It's like you, the man that like normally wears like neon. It's like pinks and greens, or even you know, every color. But black and red is just like Sting. This is not the time for that. This is the wrong show for that. Foreshadowing. I mean, you never know. Lex with several <laughs> boots, knee to the gut, back suplex for a two count. He goes for a leaping elbow drop. Only for Booker T to avoid and drop Luger with a side slam. Booker then goes for an elbow drop, but that is missed. Only to recover with a spin a rooney and a leg lariat. Stevie Ray hits multiple body slams and chokes on Lex. Followed by Booker T pulling him throat first onto the top rope. Before Stevie hits a leg drop. Luger's clothesline down for a near fall by Stevie Ray. But Booker then charges into a big boot allowing Lex to charge out with the clothesline, only for Stevie to stop attack attempt. Stevie Ray then delivers a power bomb for a two count, before going to a ooh, ooh, ooh. nerve hole. Yeah, buddy. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> followed by Booker T coming in with an axe kick. Luger's trying to make his way to the corner, so Booker smacks Sting, which brings him in, allowing Harlem Heat to use the distraction to work over Lex in their corner. Again, Luger tries to fire up and make the tag, but Stevie has come into the ring to distract the ref again. But the Stinger just doesn't care and goes after Harlem Heat anyways. Sting hits a Stinger splash on Booker T, goes for a whip, only to be reversed right to where Stevie Ray is holding the ropes down. So Sting stumbles over the ropes to the floor. Booker T then heads out to brawl with the Stinger, with the ref following out after them, even though both the, the legal men are in the side of the ring. Yeah, a little bit of... A little, a little Makes confusion. sense. So this opens up the door for the Road Warriors to hit the ring, as Stevie has Lex up on his shoulders for a Razor's Edge-style move. Animal nails Stevie Ray with the lead plate, causing them to fall down with Luger on top for the pin and the win. Hmm. So I guess Sting and Luger will face the Road Warriors later. Yeah, it's like, why do the Road Warriors want to... And then they explain it later. But I was like, why do the Road Warriors want to fight the more established... Like the more like the two guys that have... Former world champions? Yeah. But, you know, they'll tell us later that Harlem Heat... We're, we're uh, bad boys earlier in the week. This Sting-Lex thing feels like it's been going on forever. But... Because they've been friends forever. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have been friends forever. I wonder if they still are. Mean Gene stops Lex and Sting on the entrance stage, and he mentions the outside interference. But Luger interrupts quickly, saying he held up his end of the bargain, and they will be the tag team of the 90s. Okerlund asked the Stinger if he saw what happened, but he was completely oblivious to the fact that the Road Warriors ran him, saying he's with the program and he's not going to question Lex. Regret that, buddy. Yeah, there was a fun uh, clothesline that Stevie Ray did where he goes to do the clothesline and he just drops to one knee but keeps his arm stiff, and it looked pretty cool. 
just want to give him some flowers for that fun uh, modified clothesline that looked cool. Also, there was some really not so cool fans in St. Petersburg during this match, if you got any of that. Yeah. <laughs> they were uh, not very worldly. So we go to our fourth match. One Man Gang versus Conan for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. And Gang uses clubbing forearms and chokes as the bell rings, only for Conan to answer with basement drop kicks and a spinning heel kick, before leaping off the second rope with a drop kick and a crossbody that sends them both out to the floor. Conan in gold. Looks so crazy. It's nice. Conan continues with a somersault plancha from the apron before rolling back into the ring. But one man gang hot shots him across the top rope from the apron. Gang's back in control with strikes and chokes, where he hits a side slam and returns to using forearms, which bores everyone enough that they show us Steve Grissom, WCW Motorsports driver, in the crowd. That says uh, something there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's poor Conan. Like, oh, yeah, I got a pay-per-view match against the one-man gang. And it's like, Conan can, at this point in his career, can kind of just do a lot of things. But he can't do a lot of things just with one-man gang. Makes me this wonder is, if he's uh, rethinking that whole Max Moon thing. Yeah, this is like uh, when you put Sabu versus, like, Hack Myers. It's like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> or, you know, or Mr. Hughes. It's like, like... I guess to make to like for the big guy to lose to the smaller guy, but Mr. Like, Hughes can actually at least do stuff. Can One he? man gang just kind of oh, <laughs> but yeah. doesn't actually have any sort of move set. You know who should have been in this spot instead? Earthquake, Shark. Where's there you the go. Shark? Oh, he'll show up. Maybe he got maybe he got big too. Maybe they sent him to Fat Camp. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen him in the ring in a while. He'll, he he makes an appearance here in a while. One man gang continues the punishment until Conad fires up with a barrage of strikes, goes to the top rope, and looks to somersault off, only for gang to catch him, so Conan counters into a hurricanrana, followed by a pair of drop kicks. Conan then tries for a third drop kick, but he misses completely, though commentary pretends like one man gang sidestepped him, allowing gang <laughs> to nail a 747 splash but he pulls him up on the cover. <gasps> One Man Gang decides to do another splash, this time off the second rope, only for Conan to avoid by moving way too early and head up top for a somersault plancha for the pin and, and the win. win. And thank God this match is over. Yeah, I will say that... These uh, two guys had no chemistry. No, nope. but Conan is cool and... He has good, like, wrestler energy. By that I mean, like, he feels like, doesn't feel like a character. He feels like a fucking, like, a athlete, like a wrestler. He's got a good good face and vibe. The kind that uh, I feel like we've been missing. Go to the back and Mean Gene is complaining about a sewer pipe leaking on his head. Obviously, Mean Gene has not been watching this show or he'd be complaining about a little bit more than a leaky pipe. I mean, he said that it was... Pipe juice on his head. Yuck. He also <laughs> repeats his hotline story about a pair of WWF stars coming to WCW. 
Who could it? I don't want to do the joke. <laughs> Oakland then welcomes in the Road Warriors, who haven't had a match together as a tag team since SummerSlam 92. That's crazy. I know. Episode 74. Almost four years. Wow. Which was also Animal's last official match. Wait, uh, what was the show where they brought both of them back, but one was just like on the outside? It was a WCW. It's like a Clash of Champions or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like it was Animal, It was weird. supposed to be versus Animal, and everyone's like, oh, all right, cool. And then it's like, at the last second, they are like, mm, just kidding. It's it's actually Hawk you're facing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's too high for life, guys. Yeah. As we'll come to find out soon. <laughs> mean Gene asks about their interference earlier this evening with Animal saying it's eye for an eye because of what Luger did to them last Monday on Nitro. And Hawk chimes in with the sincerest apologies to Harlem Heat. Not! That really got me that they pulled a, a, a psych, which if he said psych, probably would have been funnier than not. But, I mean, to see these two grown men pull a like, third grade or joke, it was really got me going. Hawk continues with threats to Sting and Lex's septums, saying he's going to detach their retinas. Alrighty. I'm going to pull their eyeballs out. Maybe put them on some spikes. Going to deviate those septums and detach those retinas. Those guys will de- deviate the, their septums on their own time. Yep. <laughs> so we go to our fifth match. The Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, with Jimmy Hart. Versus Flying Brian Pillman in a I Respect You strap match. Yep, the leather strap respect match. So this is a combination of a strap match and a I quit match. Yeah, just change the word. You basically can use the strap on your opponent until one of them says that they respect the other person. Okay. I quit would have been fine. I quit's a whole lot easier to say than I respect you. Or is it? Uh, We'll find out soon. So Pillman runs down to the ring and whips the Taskmaster before they can even attach the strap. Both men are trading stiff punches and grappling each other down to the mat. When Flying Brian would just run and like mug the ref to grab the mic, turn and say, I respect you, Booker Man. And he walks out. Leaving everyone confused. And honestly, there's a when he first runs in and like bum rushes Kevin Sullivan, you can see it on his face. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> so we'll have plenty to plenty to talk about. Uh, but post match, Jimmy Hart runs backstage, only to return with Arn Anderson dressed in a dress shirt and shorts. Double A is the best. He's pure daddy mode right here. Yep. Sullivan whips Arn and tells him to put the strap on. So now we got our sixth match. The Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan with Jimmy Hart versus the Enforcer Arn Anderson in a I Respect You strap match. And, uh, I mean, it's worth fi- like watching this just to see the train wreck of it all. But Arn Anderson looks so pissed. <laughs> Yep. So pissed off that however you end up feeling about this, it is moderately exciting for reasons that aren't necessarily uh, uh, in-ring action. So Double A reluctantly puts the strap on, 
But once he does, he goes to town on the Taskmaster, whipping Sullivan before hog-tying him. Taskmaster finally breaks free and pulls the strap, causing Arn to crotch himself before using the strap to whip. Sullivan continues to use the strap, but the Enforcer retaliates to, task, to take the Taskmaster down, dropping a knee to the gut. Double A continues by hanging Sullivan over the ropes with the strap. You gotta do the spot. All with the ref sticking the mic in the Taskmaster's face. Sullivan then pulls Arn down to the floor, where they take turns running each other into the ring post. Posted. Posted. Back in the ring, Anderson climbs to the top, but the Taskmaster yanks him off. All of a sudden, Ric Flair comes running out with Jimmy Hart. Jimmy's a busy dude. He jumps in the ring and tells them to stop this fighting, that this proves nothing. Yeah, come on, man. Let's get a handle on it. The Nature Boy continues by saying they have to band together to stop Hogan. I gotta kick Macho on Hogan's ass. United they stand, divided they fall. Before promising to leave the building with the title and Miss Elizabeth. And the Enforcer agrees and shakes Sullivan's hand. Before saying he will get into bed with the devil to defeat the Hulkster and Savage. So the official announcement on this match was a no contest. Hmm. Yeah, everyone's obviously pissed. Ric Flair takes a while to get where he's going because he grabs the mic and he's like, I have no idea what angle yeah. I'm, I'm going for here, <laughs> but so I got to do something. Fast I got to do something. Strut, yeah. and let me stop for a second and bounce off the ropes in the turnbuckle. Yeah. Say two words. Let me do something else for a second while I think of what I'm saying next. You can see the, you can see the, uh, the anger on Arn's face and the panic on... Ric Flair's, because he's like, I have no idea what's about to come out of my head, and uh, whatever I say might just change some angles. And then you got old Mr. Booker Man there, who booked the match and has to take responsibility for the match just completely blowing up in his face. Oh, yeah. I... So, <laughs> yeah, so here's some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here we some go. story here. So, Flying Brian wanted his loose cannon character to seem legit. So, he concocted a plan with Eric Bischoff. Pillman would go off script and work the boys, followed by Eric firing Brian after the show. Like so a worked it, shoot. It, it was completely a worked shoot. The plan being the plan was for fi- was for Pillman to be fired, even going as far as convincing Bischoff to actual give to give him actual termination papers. To sell that he was fired. And the idea okay. being that he's going to. And that he would go to ECW to work on the character before making a surprise return to WCW. And it kind of makes sense if you think about what's about to happen with the hints Mean Gene has dropped in this. Where you can see where he's like, oh, well this will be a, another good wild idea. But this also meant... That Pillman was actually not under contract anymore. Pillman, wild-eyed genius for this one, guys. So Brian would go to ECW, and we'll see him soon enough, but would eventually end up in WWF, having worked everyone, including Bischoff. Yeah, he basically found a way to get out of his contract and then go get a bigger contract from the other 
because if he was like, I don't want to, it's crazy. He like talk about his loose cannon character. It's like fuck, man. <laughs> he like yeah. He literally worked everyone because as so, Dark Side of the Ring would show us, he even worked the WWF when he got his contract there because they didn't know about his car accident. Car accident. accident. Mm-hmm. They didn't know they weren't getting quote unquote flying Brian. The <laughs> also the match that Arn and Kevin had is technically the match that Pillman and Taskmaster were supposed to have. Even to the point of Flair coming down. Oh, really? And making peace. Because huh. okay. the Flair thing seemed like he was just off the hip. He did not seem... I don't know. Maybe that makes it even more real. It seemed like that was improv. I mean, it was just... It was literally supposed to... That was what it was supposed to be. Because the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom yeah. were combining... You know, but there was just all this like Pillman kept doing stuff basically, which he was pissing everyone everyone off, off oh, in the back, tell. even even Arn, and then you piss Arn off, you know you you've done something <laughs> that you probably shouldn't have done. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, and you've we mean we've seen it when he's freaked out recently with the Horsemen, where Arn just like you can see it in his face. What the fuck? So this is definitely a. Uh, a final straw as uh, Arn looks very upset. So we go to the back, and Mean Gene is there with the giant and Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy tells Hogan that he has one eye, and time is ticking away on him. And the giant has literally been sleeping this entire time that Hart was talking. I mean, he's standing, standing up with his head down, his hair in his face like a cousin it. But he wakes up and calls it a day of reckoning. That he has looked into the darkest reaches of a man's soul, where the maggots crawl, before comparing himself to a volcano, and that he is going to erupt all over Hulk. Damn, first we got Mean Gene with pipe leaking on his head, and now you got old giant talking about erupting all over Hulk. Hey guys. How are the maggots in your soul doing? <laughs> the only thing you can do is be understand, and the will to know Hulkamania is through forever. I love uh, the last thing that's going to go through your mind is my fist. It's like, so you're going you're gonna to murder him? The giant walks off, and Okerlund starts talking about Hogan again. So the giant rushes back to threaten Minji. I do love that Jimmy Hart uh, throws some shade. He says, no more bee flicks, no more thunder in paradise. (laughs) So we go to our seventh match. The Road Warriors of Animal and Hawk versus Sting and Lex Luger for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. And this match takes a little while to get going because every time Lex gets close to the ring, the Road Warriors would try and go after him. So he continues to just back away. I mean, it's a great way, like, it gets exhausting for us, but he is long playing it for Heat. Yeah. Uh, really, really, really well, but I'm just like, oh my god, I get the point. But sometimes the point needs to be exaggerated. The so. Road Warriors finally remove their spikes, so Luger climbs up onto the apron, and the match begins. Hawk hits a shoulder tackle and a drop kick to send the stinger out to the floor to start. 
where the road warrior stalks after Sting around ringside until the Stinger kicks him and throws him into a guardrail. Back in the ring, the Stinger telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Hawk to attempt a neckbreaker, but he botches it, so they transition into an STF. The Road Warriors begin to work the arm of Sting until he escapes and tags in Lex, who's still very reluctant to fight. But Luger does go low on Animal before trying for multiple turnbuckle smashes, only for the Road Warrior to reverse and deliver a big boot and a power slam for a two count. Hawk hits several clotheslines, mounted punches in the corner, before tossing Lex out to the floor, where Animal sends him into a guardrail. The Stinger rushes around to help Luger back into the ring, where he fires up with a rake to the eyes, a double axe handle, and a clothesline for a near fall. Sting is brought back in to nail a snap suplex on Hawk, and then runs the ropes with Animal, only for them to knock heads, causing the Road Warrior to fall down, while the Stinger stumbles into the ropes, bouncing into a headbutt to the nuts. Lex wants back in to attack Animal, where he hits an atomic drop. Sting comes in with a face plant and goes for a splash off the top, only for the Road Warrior to get his knees up. Both teams make tags, allowing Hawk to hit a leaping shoulder block and a leg drop on Luger for a two count, followed by multiple falling fists and a sleeper. Lex escapes with a jawbreaker, allowing him to make the tag, where Sting hits the stinger splash and attempts a scorpion deathlock on Animal, but Hawk breaks it up with a clothesline. The Road Warriors look to wear down Sting, but telegraphs a back body drop, so the Stinger attempts a sunset flip, only for Hawk to stay up and punch down, followed by a roll-up by Sting for a near fall. Hawk then responds with a clothesline to take the Stinger back down, bringing Animal in to continue to wear him down with holds, until Luger jumps in the ring to attack the Road Warriors, all while Sting stumbles into some right hands from Hawk to knock him down as well. The ref finally clears the ring of Lex, allowing Sting to hit a snap suplex, only for Animal to no-sell, followed by the Road Warrior hitting a vertical suplex, which the Stinger no-sells. Drop kick and double axe handle by Animal. Hawk comes in with a double-team back elbow. Luger jumps in the ring, only to be taken to the floor followed by Sting being tossed to the floor as well. The Road Warriors climb out of the ring to start brawling all around ringside when the ref makes the 10 count for the double countout. But they just keep brawling their way down the aisle. Ugh. It's a fucked up mess. Yep. I mean... I'm so glad we had a match that took us to this match so we could have no finish, nothing really happened. Uh, uh, true, like, one-two punch of... Of nothing. Of bullshit. It was definitely something. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Pillman was supposed to be involved in this one, too. <laughs> Hawk, in maybe the worst shape we've seen as far as uh, ring work goes. I mean, he still is a large man. But I'm just saying, like... I don't know if there was a spot he didn't fuck up. Right. <laughs> uh, and we've seen him, like, fuck up before, but this was maybe more egregious. 
I think the only good thing here was that Lex did a good job of getting heat, but then uh, this match did nothing for nobody. Yeah, like Lex did a good job getting heat, but to what end? <laughs> yeah, he either got heat or he put people to sleep in the process because he just drug things out so much. It probably wouldn't have been so bad if uh, we had the uh, Road Warriors of '86 uh, as '76. Uh, I mean, <laughs> come on, '76. <laughs> they were like twelve. <laughs> I don't know, it probably would have been more exciting then, too. <laughs> See Lex Luger just powerbomb children. Well, I mean, they would have been 12. He would have been, like, 16, probably. Oh, I so. yeah. no, He probably would have been younger. I don't know. Yeah. We don't need to get into age. Age exactly. is here. We're giving this match more light than it needs. Sorry, there's more. <laughs> we, more go to the, we go to the back. And Mean Gene's there with Ric Flair. And woman. Woman, oh woman. And the Nature Boy says there will be blood, sweat, tears, and a world title change tonight. And Okerlund asks if Nate will ride Space Mountain when he wins. <laughs> With the response of woman on his left and Liz on his right. But he won't tell anybody who he'll be with tonight. Clever. And the cage begins to lower as our commentators discuss the next match. Before we get an ad for Uncensored. Ooh, who's going to get fired after this show? Public enemy. I uh, know. I mean, yeah. Can you? Where's our public enemy on a uh, on a big rig on a, on a in a horse carriage versus the Nasty Boys? We go back to Mean Gene, who's now with Miss Elizabeth, asking for her thoughts. But Macho interrupts, yelling, "Stop the music!" even though there was no music playing. And Savage continues by saying the Mega Powers are together again and tells Flair to expect the unexpected. Are we moving into the Big Brother house? I, I, I wish. Before, because it will be a complete mental insanity. Back to the commentators where Heenan has his back to the camera where they give their final thoughts. On the next match. And already, Bobby is just conveying my feelings on camera. <laughs> if I could sit with my back to the TV and watch this show, it would be so much better. Maybe the worst macho promo, too. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, it's I would say easily, because he's even when he says nothing, his promos are always something. This was his least good promo, and... This show's kind of the least good for a lot of different people. Maybe he called the hotline and he found out who's coming over, possibly from oh, WWF. Man, so he's worried about former champions coming and taking the spot of former champions. His mind's all scrambled. <laughs> so we go to our eighth match. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, with Woman, versus Macho Man Randy Savage, with Miss Elizabeth, in a cage match for the WCW World. Heavyweight Championship. And uh, this show has the balls to do two cage matches back to back. It's not even Hell in a Cell. It's. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. It sure feels like Hell. Yeah. But uh, we've got somebody special here. Michael Buffer does the introductions, and let's get ready to. Woo! Before Nate gets in the ring, he gives Liz a chance to kiss a real man. Only for Macho to take the mic yelling, Oh, no! 
Flair finally enters the ring where the two men start brawling while the ref clumsily locks the door with the Nature Boy finally getting the advantage. Rolling knee drop from Nature throws Savage into the cage followed by Flair just decking the ref. Like he literally just just turns and hits Turns him. and punches the a, ref. It's not even like a ref bump. bump. No. He just like legitimately... Like, hey, fuck you, bam. Yeah, it's like... What it's is a cage match. No DQ. Yeah. I did notice one thing where uh, there was somebody like in the front row that is holding Macho's like jacket and hat, and I'm like, oh, is that his current girlfriend? <laughs> Could very well be. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Macho reverses a hip toss into a backslide, but the ref is still out. So Savage then reverses a whip to hit a back body drop and several clotheslines for a two count. Macho keeps up the attack with chokes, double axe handles. He tries to throw the nature boy into the cage, only for it to be reversed, sending Savage face first into it. Nature with multiple back elbows, chops, punches, slamming Savage into the cage before heading to the top rope, only for Macho to meet him there to press slam Flair down to the mat. And I will say that, like, it's already been um, a two count, and the ref is already up. So what's every other ref's excuse for like catching a wayward like foot or whatever, as opposed to this man who just got punched in the face by Ric Flair, just cold cocked, and is already up like in I don't know, probably sixty seconds or less. I mean, it's it's because it happened at the start of the match. Oh, okay. Had he been worn out from uh-huh. refing the entire match, and then you know, caught that little yeah pinky to the earlobe. Uh huh. Just uh, you know, yeah. From, other... I just thought it was really funny. It's like if he's got to be out for way longer if you just got straight punched in the face. This is crazy. Savage then locks on the figure four with the Nature Boy crawling his way to the ropes, only for the ref to kick his hand away from them. And that's that's what you get for decadence. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, why are you even kicking his hands away? Because it's not going to win in the match anyways, is it? Or is it? I mean, I... if there's no DQ, then you can just hold on while he's holding on to the ropes. Because yeah, yeah, cause... absolutely. Because I mean, we assume it's no. I mean, I assume it's no DQ because it's a cage match. And he punched it the ref and didn't be. get stopped. It might not be. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, what's up? Fast and loose. We, yeah. we make rules as we go. It's like that over-the-top rope rule, yeah. Macho lets it go, only to stay on the attack with several kicks and right hands for a near fall. Savage then hits a body slam, and he heads to the top of the cage, coming off with a double axe handle. But Nate catches him in the gut on the way down. Flair delivers a vertical suplex for multiple two counts, throws Macho into the cage again, leaving him draped across the ropes before hitting an elbow drop and applying the figure four. And Savage reaches the ropes, so the ref pulls the nature boy off by the hair. And I'm like, this ref just holds a grudge, guys. Yeah, there's also a moment where there's like f- five two counts in a row, and my assumption was that it's like, oh, Ric Flair's just like calling the match in the ring, so he's just he's trying to get a couple sen- a sentences in. <laughs> I don't know. It he like, does that. He does that in a lot of his matches. I guess he does. It just seemed like a lot. Nate drags Macho to the middle to lock the figure four on again, only for Savage to cradle him up for the pin. And uh, no, Flair kicks out. You haven't worked over the leg enough, Flair. Nope. The two men trade strikes when the Nature Boy would try to toss Macho into the cage, only for it to be reversed, followed by more tosses into the cage. 
and using it as a cheese grater. Savage is biting at the forehead, and after a several more tosses into the cage, Nate is busted open. Finally. <laughs> we get mounted punches in the corner until the Nature Boy counters with an atomic drop and a flare flop. Like normally, you just have to blow him a kiss and the forehead just like... Also, I don't remember her doing this before, but woman's yelling throughout this Isn't match... is she horrible? ...is so harsh and awful. Come on, man! I feel like it's, I've never really noticed it before, so I don't, but like it is. <sighs> no, nah, because I mean, when she was with Sandman, it was normally just like, you know, she'd clap and. Yeah. Come on! Or she, but yeah, but this, this is like a high her, pitch, like. Ah! Yeah. The entire time. It was rough. Nate starts heading to the top of the cage to escape, only for, Nacho, only for Macho <laughs> to grab his tights <laughs> so that all the ladies can scream. Uh, nice little flub there, brother. <laughs> Flair ends up losing his footing, causing him to crotch himself on the top rope, falling off for Savage to make a cover for a two count. I mean, he pulls his trunks down so low that yeah, maybe. They, you like, almost saw the taint. Yeah, I was gonna say like you could probably see that. I'm sure somebody caught the back of Ric Flair's balls. Oh, definitely. That two count fools the timekeeper as the bell begins to ring. <laughs> <laughs> but both men make it back to their feet, so Macho starts choking, only for the Nature Boy to deliver a shot to Savage's Slim Jims. Nate then starts choking Macho before going to climb the cage again. What the fuck is going on? But Savage again yanks down his tights. This time a little lower. Climbing up to join Flair, slamming his head into the cage several times. But a rake of the eyes causes Macho to fall to the mat. Nature Boy then has his whip reversed, sending him into the cage, followed by Savage slamming Nature's head into the cage so hard that the cage door becomes unlocked and opened. Okay, I was trying to figure out how it got unlocked, and I guess that was it. I was like, did the door just... Yeah, it was um, Ole Anderson back there with the remote. The ref just didn't get it locked very well at the beginning. Yeah, also, I guess, at least the ref trying to, like after getting punched by Flair, does the kick thing, and then the quick, like, three count, but they don't call it as an official fall, but I don't know. We all know this is a mess. The ref goes to relock the door, all while the two men brawl in a corner, until Macho charges in, only to be back body dropped into the cage. Savage is now working to get back to his feet, when woman grabs powder from her dress, throwing it at Macho, only for him to duck it, all while Flair crawls his way towards the door, where Miss Elizabeth hands him her heel. Well, that's different. Oh my gosh. Savage rolls up the nature boy from behind for a near fall, but once Nature's back to his feet, he nails Macho in the head with the shoe for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And new! Post-match, Woman, Liz, and Arn all celebrate with Flair when Hogan arrives with the chair. Hugh! Hulk enters the ring and uses the chair on double A, allowing the Nature Boy to escape to the back with Woman on his left, Elizabeth on his right, and the title around his waist. Hogan checks on Savage, before helping him to the back. You'd think the Simpsons had put like Ric Flair winning a 
match and walking out with Woman and Elizabeth on one of their episodes because he predicted it would happen and it did. Macho like sells the powder that misses him, which is crazy because you would think that he's a magnet for powder, especially if you've seen this match. There's no way these guys were in their right mind. Because <laughs> these are, this has got to be a coke brain. It's a coke brain match if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Yeah. We go to Mean Gene in the back where he's joined by a one-eyed Hulkster. So, let's give some context to the one-eye thing. On a Nitro, Hogan and Flair had matched up when Flair would use a heel to stab Hulk's eye to win the match. So, of course, you know, Hogan has to play it up like he's blind. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okerlund can't believe Liz would betray Macho, with Hogan calling her a turncoat, saying she put the spike in Savage's eye, saying it goes back four years, brother. Yeah, when they separated legally, and it's like, well, I mean, then why would you think that the... It It was the best idea to have her at ringside. Yeah, if it didn't work in real life, uh, maybe it wouldn't work in kayfabe either. Mean Gene then asks about Hulk's match with the Giant. And Hogan responds by that the match is unsanctioned. And the only way to survive is to escape the cage. Hmm. Uh, So it's because, you know, Hogan. So we go to our ninth match. mm -hmm. The Giant. With Jimmy Hart and the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan oh, versus Hulk Hogan in an unsanctioned cage match. Oh, brother, brother. And Buffer does the introductions again. So let's get ready to watch the dynamic dominator of the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> that was something that Buffer said. Oh, the dynamic dominator. <laughs> yeah, it makes him sound cool. Yeah. Yeah, and as was said earlier... The only thing you can do is be understand, and the will to know Hulkamania is through forever. It's uh, about to happen. Be to understand. I'm going to get that <laughs> tattooed over my ass crack. <laughs> so the Hulkster throws his shirt at the giant before delivering eye rakes, punches, and chokes to control, before biting him and ramming the giant into the cage. Hogan isn't able to lift the giant on a body slam which allows the big man to attack the back of Hulk with clubbing forearms. The giant grabs a knuckle lock, followed by applying a bear hug, only for Hogan to bite to escape and attempt to send the big man into the cage. But the giant reverses, slamming the Hulkster's head into the steel. The giant then uses the t-shirt for some choking of his own, delivering some chops and strikes to keep control before body slamming Hogan but he misses an elbow, so Hulk tries for another body slam, only to fail a second time. The giant does some more choking, more clubbing, forearms, and more kicks to keep up the punishment, before tossing Hogan into the cage multiple times. A vertical suplex by the giant, and the big man makes his way to the cage door, only for the Hulkster to grab hold of him to prevent him from leaving. The giant then delivers a backbreaker, runs Hogan into the cage several more times, followed by locking on a bear hug for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Hulk finally breaks free with right hands, only for the giant to nail a choke slam on Hogan 
but it doesn't matter because it's Hulk up time. I love Tony Giovanni says, he's coming back. And uh, Bobby Heenan says, sure he is. (laughs) (laughs) Right hands. Runs the giant into the cage multiple times. Biting the forehead. Big boot. Body slam. Followed by three leg drops. Before Hogan begins to climb the cage. Serious business when you get more than one leg drop. But the giant rises to his feet to meet Hulk on the top rope. Do you think the giant had to pay Hogan for each leg drop after the first one? He's like, all right. Just like, don't like, look, I don't want to look that bad. Hey, fucker, I <laughs> fell off a building for you, so just <laughs> yeah. drop a couple. Yeah, <laughs> you owe me, you owe me two. <laughs> the two men are trading chops until the giant falls off into the ring. Giving Hogan the time to escape the cage for the win. Mm. Post-match, the Hulkster begins to celebrate when the Taskmaster would attack him with a chair. But Hogan ends up grabbing the chair away, stalking after Sullivan and placing him in the cage. And Heenan is all yelling about where the Legion of Doom is. And I know he meant Dungeon of Doom, but it was funny to me. Yeah. When the entire dungeon would run out to the ring. We got a Ming. We got a shark. Hulk fights off Ming. Warlord. Barbarian. Hugh Morris. The shark. Taskmaster. One man gang. Zodiac. And the giant. But wait. With chair shots before running them all into the cage walls. Oh, I forgot about this One, part. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's Hulk versus eight. Just saying. Yeah, yeah uh, eight large men. Then but he's beaten for years. The and Loch Ness years. monster makes his way to the ring, where he tries to enter, but the dungeon hold him back because Hogan still has the chair. I mean, he just beat up eight of them. What's one more? But it's most likely just because he couldn't fit inside. He couldn't fit in the cage door. Yep. Hogan then must pose. As Tony talks about Nitro and says his goodbyes before we go to credits. Cue the music. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts on Super Brawl 6? Take it away. Can I say something? You can say anything you want. You can say whatever you like. This stinks. The winner was Hogan. The losers were all of us. Mm-hmm. Or every, everybody else. Whether they even watched the show or not. The losers were everyone except for Brian Pillman. Yeah, he's... uh, Who made the wise choice to say, fuck all of you and walk out. Yeah, in in dubious ways. What's funny is the show starts and I'm like, all right. But the thing is, is can you skip it? Or is it like necessary watching because of how bad and fucked it is? It's not just, like, regular bad, right? It's, like, boo-boo. Like, there's yeah. everything... The, is the best the best match on the show uh, is Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page? Yes. And we've seen that match a bunch of times. That's not even their best match that they've had. No, it's but it is definitely their worst match. Yeah. And, it's, and it's still, like, a, it's a fine, like, yeah. solid wrestling match. It's, a, like, it would be... It's just way too long. Yeah, it's too... Too long, and we've seen him do too many better stuff. 
And it uh, also feels like that it feels like that their feud was already over. Yep. This kind of just feels like a like an okay. Well, I guess we'll run it back. We don't got anything else for these guys to do. And uh, I'm going to use the oof, old saying. Oof. Let's hear it. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. To describe the show because there is a lot of wasted potential in that the show could have been so much more. But, like, literally every match is just fails in the execution of it. Some of, And some of it is, I guess, is the second best match Heat and Sting Lex? <sighs> I don't even I mean, this know. Is a, this I mean, it, might, it might be Flair Savage. And that, I, that was wildly disappointing for me. I don't even know if there is. A I'm sorry. Okay, I, I know. That's, that's, that's what this entire yeah. show is. Like, <laughs> yeah. everything is, like... If you look at this mat, this card on paper, it looks pretty good. It looks really good. Like at the opening, I was like, "This could be a fun. This could be a really good show." When they like, when they tell you preview the matches. At the beginning. I mean, we know Hogan and Giant aren't going to be much of anything, but Flair it and Savage should be classic. should be good. Sting and Lex against Harlem Heat in one match and against the Road Warriors in another. You could should probably be. should have at least solid solid matches. I mean, maybe a surprise. The surprise was. Animal was still high. I mean, Hawk, I'm sorry. Hawk was still high after all these years. That doesn't surprise me. I know. But, but just like, even going back to Public Enemy and Nasty Boys, we know what we're going to get. Actually, probably out of every match, that match is probably what delivered exactly what I was expecting. That's true. Mm-hmm. It did it because like, like we said, the Johnny and Diamond Dallas Page match, we've seen it a bunch and... It's like, oh, well, maybe this will be their best one. It's like, well, no, it was their least interesting one because they've ran that, that, that program is over. Mm-hmm. You just like, added um, like a, a large check to like, see if you could juice it Which for was anymore. Which a badly done prop. Yeah. And like, oh, he'll get the Diamond Doll. It's like, what the f- not, uh, not Diamond Doll. Yeah, Diamond Doll. I was thinking Baby Doll. It doesn't matter. Baby Doll's lucky that she mm-hmm. wasn't here for this. I wish I hadn't been. Yep. Yeah, this... It's like... I'm trying to figure out, is it skippable? I think it is skippable, but it's one of those where... It's like you should at least... You should watch it to know what not to do when you're putting on a pay-per-view and you expect people to tune in and watch and pay money and all that stuff. Now, this is what you don't want to do. You don't want to give us the same predictable, nonsense, bullshit stuff. It's like promising us a dumpster fire, but then we sit there and keep waiting for the matches to light so somebody can get the blaze a-going, and the matches <laughs> just keep going out one after the other, after the other, after the other. And like you said, Johnny like Bad... A, a dumpster fire that didn't... Didn't that, catch that, fire. That didn't catch fire. That's, yeah. that's a really brutal. It's like I mean, a, it's true, but that's a really fun way to put it. You know, Johnny B. Bad, yeah, the, the match with him and, and Dallas was the best of the night, and it was probably the worst of their series. And then the next best match for me, I think, was Brian Pillman, just because of the fact that he came in, freaky. turned everything upside down, and then just walked away. And it, it was quick, it was painless, it was confusing, but it didn't last longer than it needed to. I mean, technically, <laughs> everyone's reaction to that is the exact reaction I think everyone probably should have when watching this show. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, what? 
that that just I happened? mean, could we say that if you watch anything on the show, you should just like YouTube the, that clip? At, yeah, just definitely. because it'll it's about like three minutes long or something. Yep. Like, what the, just because it's it's a like you know pivotal and memorable. I was actually wor- curious if it was gonna be the edited version on Peacock because when they released uh, Super Brawl on VHS back in the day, they actually had the Booker Man part edited out. Hmm. I guess that makes sense for the time because. You know, back then, kayfabe and everything yep. didn't, you know, didn't want people knowing. Yeah, can you imagine how fucking pissed? Uh, like, if Arn Anderson was pissed, can you imagine how pissed off Kevin Sullivan was? Because he comes in there and, like, legitimately, like, punches the man. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, you just threw a live round. It's just so weird that Kevin Sullivan is, like, the guy who keeps getting into work shoots. <laughs> And he's the booker of everything. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's yeah he's the uh, Rodney Dangerfield of professional wrestling in no respect. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So find me a best moment of this show. I respect you, Booker Man. Yeah, I guess that's kind <laughs> of kind, um, kind of. It. The we've already quoted it twice. The Giants, whatever no, understand. line, be understand. Yeah, <laughs> be understand. Is that's, fine. that's the perfect tagline for the show. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys! Super Brawl, be, be understand. understand. Hawk had the perfect line. Not, uh, not. <laughs> yes. This is like, I feel like we've watched shows that are like more like blah or boring. This one's just like. A true head scratcher. Uh-huh. Where it's just like, oh, everybody like partied too hard last night. Like, and the card, because the card on paper, like you said, should be good, but it's like, oh, did does ever is everybody hungover and confused? Yeah. Like, what is the problem here that we can't get like anything even done halfway decently? Yeah, I want to say it was Sex in the City where they had a line once upon a time that said, "Good on paper, bad in bed." And this one is definitely that. There is no satisfaction whatsoever. You know, there was no eruption. There was no explosion. <laughs> there was there wasn't even a, a pipe leaking on my head. It was just okay. Some of the strangest, but my possi- brain. possibly yeah. some of the best moments are Mean Gene just making just like the Creepy? weirdest. Are you going to Space Mountain? Mashuna, yeah. going to Space Mountain. The Leaky sewer pipe, pipe yeah. like like these things just like out of left field. But unfortunately, they're some of the best things on the show because it's just like... This show even has what what I would consider the worst Macho Man promo you've ever seen. It's like the... That's what the guys... The Flair had a great promo. His was good. His was good. on the left. Yeah. I mean, his he had a great promo, but then at the same time, in the middle of it, it was like extreme coked up... That he was talking about that I couldn't understand... I had to rewatch it like three or four times because it was all just blah, 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 all at once. He ended it strong, though. He, he, yeah. he made yeah. the landing. <laughs> I mean, we're all just kind of like, stone face flapping. How about acid. most disappointing? Um, the, the, the show? The show. I, I would say uh, every match after the second one. The, the first one, it's like, ah, it's kind of what I expected. It didn't, it didn't last too long. That's fine. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it while I was talking about the match, but literally Hulk fights off the entire Dungeon of Doom. 
And then himself. there's a new guy named the Loch Ness Monster who is not. Where's the Yeti? He's just a big fat guy. Where's the Yeti? He's no longer the Yeti. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like if literally after this, if we see the Dungeon of Doom in any kind of match with Hulk Hogan, does anyone think that Hulk Hogan's not going to win? Because he literally fought off the entire dungeon by himself. But he hasn't he hasn't had a, he hasn't had a cage match with the Loch Ness monster yet. Loch Ness Monster couldn't get the cage. I know, I know. We did, well, we're going to have to uh, lower him in. Now I'm curious. <laughs> do we get to see the Loch Ness in, again? I have then, no you know? clue. <laughs> I truly hope not. Because honestly, as not. he was walking down the ring, I kept, because they didn't show his face at first, and I thought, whoa, did they bring back Tugboat? Or It is not. Uh, yeah, I knew it wasn't him once I saw who it was. He's a old English, English wrestler that went by Giant Haystacks. Not, not the, Haystacks Calhoun. Yeah, yeah. not Haystacks Calhoun. Well, he went Calhoun. by Haystacks Calhoun at one point and then had to change his name because that's already it's guy. already been used. Yeah, yeah, that was a guy in like the 50s. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't. I had to look him up just because I wasn't for sure who the hell it was. And but literally they pulled him out of retirement for him to come back to do this Loch Ness yeah, Monster. It's, yeah, it said he retired in 1996 officially. And, and also, yeah, 96. the name Loch Ness Monster? Well, I mean, I mean, that's what he used... Oh really? Yeah. Beforehand? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was the, just like a WCW did not give him the name. He had you know, she had used the name before. It fits. He's, with, he's from I know, over but there. we all know what the Loch Ness monster is, but it's a real dumb gimmick. I mean, it fits right in with it's, a shark. It's right in right with the show. It does. A Yeti and a, a Taskmaster. And Warlord and Barbarian and OMG. Zodiac the best uh, gimmick in Dungeon no. of Doom. Uh, no, that would be Ming. I don't know. Oh well, yeah, Ming rules. <laughs> I mean, Ming rules. Uh, humorous would be the. Uh, I don't even know who that is. Hum- it's humorous. Yeah, so you put uh, them together, it's humorous, and uh, then he does this crazy laugh. Uh, it's, okay. It's the best thing. Okay, I guess I haven't really seen him because he's probably been doing like TV stuff. Yeah. Because he he wasn't he wasn't we've, really we've watched him on we, one match so we saw far. We saw him in ECW show and in the World War Three. I think were the only yeah, times we've seen They him. kept referring to him as humorous. It's like stop calling him humorous. I know that's how it sounds, but it's humorous. Best performer of the night, Kimberly. I was gonna say <laughs> it works for me. Kimberly. She had, she had a nice smile and she did the splits. Um, Bobby and, in the middle of the show. And, I mean that goes under best moments too, with just him sitting there with his back to the camera. Because fuck this. Why am I even here? You guys don't need me. Um, the ref and the Flair Savage match. That guy just... Pillman? Like, what the fuck are we doing? He gets cold cocked, he kicks Ric Flair, and then he does like an illegal three count that just confuses everybody further. And most surprising... Elizabeth heel turn. I guess it'd be... It's this whole show, but... again can be under surprising and disappointing because I'm surprised at how disappointing the show was, even though I shouldn't be. I mean, Bringing back Elizabeth for this? Well, she came back before. I know, but, but still. But they show her on like camera. Still... She's going to show up the next night at Class of Champions. It's like you couldn't do the lazy thing any lazier. Like, to try to, to retread something that was done well and then to do it so poorly is flabbergasting. This is what they do. They take WWF matches that have already happened and put their reverse twist on it. Because in the original Flair Savage Championship match at WrestleMania 8, she got in there and slapped Rick around and, you know, helped win the match. That's true. And in this one, she had to go the opposite route. 
Yeah, it's like, what if we did it again, but backwards and worse? <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this story, but WCW tried to hire Pat Patterson. <coughs> really? Because... What, what's, some direction. what's the one thing that WCW really is bad at? Finishes. <laughs> finishes. And Pat Patterson was the finishes guy, basically. So they brought in so, Dusty? So they tried to hire Pat Patterson, but obviously he never did come over. Yeah, Pat Patterson. Is this during the time they got fired for a while there and they tried to bring him over? I think so, probably. <laughs> I just, yeah. I've heard that on a few different shows that about that and I was like that, that would have made a huge difference yeah because right as we've seen and I can I can let you guys know it doesn't get much better nope with the finishes on a lot of these shows so I mean it's been a problem even in some like the JCP era cause like if you think about it a lot of these WCW rivalries feuds and stuff they actually have like an interesting story, that somewhat interesting story that can that goes with them. They're typically like typical, straightforward for the most part, like classic wrestling angles. And then they just screw up the finish of how they should, you know, end the feud and or make it in, or make it in, or like raise interest. Yeah, it's just flubbed, flubbed all the way down, and down it is. Oh, six thumbs down. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Yay. I'm actually excited for trivia. So this week, the category is What's in a Name? It's just a name, a name, a name, a name. What's in a name? Hmm. So five points for a correct answer. You'll buzz in. Three points if we go to multiple choice. Okay. So the name this week is William Dannenhauer Jr. William Dannenhauer Jr. William Dannenhauer Jr.? Hmm. William, William, William. Yeah, I don't know. Any guesses? I don't have any guesses. This okay. is this is like this is it, there's no way this is one of those ones that's like obvious or something. All right, multiple choice. Uh, maybe on yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. multiple choice. We'll okay. buzz in, brother. All right, your choices are Bill Irwin, Dave Sullivan, Hack Myers, Jimmy Garvin. All right, I'm gonna go with C. Hack Myers. That is incorrect. All right. It just seemed, it just jumped out to me because I have no clue. So we have Bill Irwin. Who else? Dave Sullivan. Dave Sullivan. Hack Myers. Hack Myers. Jimmy Garvin. Jimmy Garvin. Bill Irwin. Dave Sullivan. William Dannenhauer Jr. I mean, Bill Irwin sounds like it could be, but it almost sounds too easy. I don't know if Dave Sullivan is actually Dave Sullivan or if that's just a stage name. Garvin, I don't know if that's actually his name or not, but he doesn't look like a William. Maybe that's just <laughs> it exactly. Dave. Dave Sullivan? Dave Sullivan. Is correct. Oh, hey. Nice pull. So Good Kevin Dannenhausen, is that his name? 
Or are they actually not brothers? No, they, they are not brothers okay. at all. Dislike them equally, so I thought maybe there was a chance. Yeah, but good might, to know. I thought you might get that one since you brought us the Nebraska. No, because it's, thing. because it said Dave Sullivan. It didn't say Dannenhausen. Yeah. Okay. Because nobody would know who the hell William Dannenhausen Jr. is <laughs> if they put that. I mean, it might still be on his profile thing, there, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. still, is, I don't think he's changed his name. Oh. Next week, Cyber Slam nineteen ninety six. Insert the dial up sound. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. You got mail. Yeah. <laughs> Open up that cow box and plug in your gateway. Because we're going to the internet. Woo. Music from this week's show is Urgent Memory. Was our opening theme? <laughs> it's, a cool, it's a cool name for a song. Yeah, it's a cool name for a song, but it's even funnier that that's the song title for this show. Yeah, it sounds there like... Is Nothing I urgently want to remember about this fucking show other than Brian Pillman. It sounds like the name of a fucking Rush song. I respect you, Booker Man. And Hogan won our main event, so we play American Made <laughs> by music. Jimmy Hart. American Made, American Made, American Made. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, and when I say that, I mean us talking about it, not yes. the actual show, <laughs> yeah. please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. Do as Michael says. Five stars and nine stars. Okay. Do you have any questions, comments, concerns? Recipes, food ideas, drink ideas. If you have any positive thoughts about this specific <laughs> broadcast of uh, Super Brawl, let me know what you actually liked about it and why, because I'm kind of curious. Give me, like, pill, loose pills that will, that will erase this from our mind. <laughs> uh, get in the, get yeah. in our email. Help me be to understand. <laughs> I know one pill, man, that's loose. Oh. Oh. But you can send us those to our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistoryx. That's wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Be to understand. Fuck you, Terry. <laughs> <laughs>